If you got your Bibles, turn with me to second. Actually, let's go to Matthew 16. Let's go to Matthew 16. We have been in a, uh, and this is our final fourth part of our series called I Love My Church. And uh, we've been talking about the church and what it is and why God made the church and why he's so passionate about the church and why he loves the church and why we should love the church. And so I would encourage you to go back and and listen to uh, all of the three parts at OSCConnect.com. If you don't know, you can go to OSCConnect.com and and listen to all of our past messages for the past three or four years. So no matter what season you're in, there's probably a message there for you, and I encourage you to go check it out, which, by the way, we are redesigning our website right now, and hopefully within the next week or two, we'll be relaunching, and it is amazing. Uh, You're going to love it. It's going to be great. A uh, great place to send people to get connected here. But uh, we are in the series, and uh, how have you been enjoying it so far? I hope you have. I see a lot of people have got the shirts on. And by the way, if you haven't gotten your shirt, make sure to go by and, uh, and get your shirt, whether you pre-ordered one or didn't. We have them available out there for you to get a I Love My Church shirt. But we have been studying this idea of church and, and God's passion for it. And uh, hopefully you've been more passionate about the church and realizing the importance of it and why God loves it so much. Um, but I want us to, to pray because here's, here's the deal. I, I had a message prepared all the way up to yesterday that I was planning on. Actually, I Facebooked out that I was going to do a whole message on how to practically share your faith with people that are far from Christ. And at 1030 last night, God changed it. And so, uh, so I'm a little sleep deprived. Deprived, deprived, that's not a, put it in the dictionary, put it in the PJ dictionary that's full of them, got a lot of them, I'm sure there'll be more by the time we're done. Deprived, I am sleep deprived, uh, I'm sleep deprived a little bit, but I'm full of the spirit. So um, I believe God's got a new word for us today and, um, and I'm really excited to bring it to you and uh, I hope you're excited to receive it. Two people are, okay, great, all right. Might be here a while. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you, and God, what a what a great day it is as we as we sit here and we celebrate all that you've done in our house. And God, we, you are a good father. You're so good. You're so good. God, I, I thank you, Lord, for each person that's here. You have them here for a reason. You want to speak to them. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use the words that come out of my mouth to be your words. They don't need to hear my voice. They need to hear your voice today. God, I pray that what happens today would honor you, glorify you, and make us more like you. In Jesus' name, and if you want to receive that, say amen. 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 Hey, what is your biggest pet peeve? Don't, don't say it out loud. Think about it for a minute there. But what is your biggest pet peeve? I got a number of them. I have a number of them. I've shared a couple of them before with you. I think I've shared a couple. Slow drivers, pet peeve of mine. Grew up in Texas. Everybody goes 80, even in school zones. Um, it's just what you do. And so, of course, everybody in Jennings, nobody's in a hurry. Everybody, everybody's slow. Everybody's slow. So that was a, that's a pet peeve of mine. Uh, loud eaters. That's another pet peeve. Anybody? Any got loud eaters? This, this, this week, we're, we, were, we went to a pastor's retreat, and uh, Pastor Zach and I stayed over a couple of days to work on the website, and uh, we had twin beds, just by the way, just want to clarify that for everybody, we had, we had two different beds, um, we're not that close, and, um, and he's over there, and the brother is, it went to the vending machine and got, like, ice, and went back to our room and was chomping ice the whole time. I took a picture of it and sent it to Lindsay, and I said, I can't take this anymore. He was just going to town on ice. Those are a pet peeve of mine. How, how, many, how many have this pet peeve? You're standing in line at whatever kind of restaurant, maybe McDonald's or wherever. You're standing in line. And you've been in line for a, quite a bit of time, maybe three or four minutes. And, and the person in front of you gets to the line. And the lady's like, hey, can I help you? And she's like, mm, let me see. Come on, how do you know that's a pet peeve? You've been sitting in that line for five minutes. Burger King has been the same way. Order a Whopper and get out of the way. I mean... Come on. I know what I'm talking about. It's a pet peeve. This is confession for me. This is just good stuff for me to kind of get some of this off of my chest. Uh, I'll tell you, a pet peeve at my house, we have, we have a, a lot of DVDs, and most of them are Disney and kids' movies for the most part. And, uh, and, and there's nothing worse than opening a DVD box and there's no DVD. 
And for all those that are really OCD like me, it's the worst is when it's the wrong DVD. <laughs> Y'all with me on that one? Anybody else got? Okay, maybe. I, pray for me. I'm very weird. Like, who put this in here? It doesn't belong in here. That's, that's the OCD on me. But I am extremely selfish, I must admit. And it flares up a lot uh, in my life when one of two things, and I bet for you it probably flares up in your life when one of these two things happen. When you're either tired or hungry. We have a word in our house. There's a word in our house for, for all of us. When, when, y'all ever seen that Snickers commercial? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And they're like, just have a Snickers. And the guy changes from like a woman to a man or, you know, whatever. To... Okay, that happens in our house. We call it hangry. That's what we call it. It's got a word, hangry. It's a hunger anger. I am, I'm hangry. And so the, the most selfishness gets, gets brought to the surface. And it always happens in our house at bedtime. Now, for any of you in here that have children, you know what this is like. It is like a hostage negotiation at bedtime. At our house, nobody wants to go to bed. Daddy wants to go to bed. Mama wants to go to bed. Nobody else wants to go to bed. And there, the, the, the selfishness inside of me rises. The most arguments happen at bedtime. Like, can you just get in bed? Let's, yo, yo, okay, pray for me. This is where it happens for me. It always happens. It always happens when I'm tired or I wake up tired. Anybody else? It's just selfish. I can be selfish. And at the heart of the matter, at the heart of the matter for me and probably for you is the reason that these things bother me is because they inconvenience me. That's why they bother me so much. Because they inconvenience me. Everyone in this room is madly, passionately in love with someone. Now, if you're single, don't look at the person next to you because that might not be them. But you are madly, passionately in love with someone. Let me tell you who you are madly, passionately in love with. Yourself. No one loves you like you. Come on, how many of you love yourself? You love you. And I love I. It's just what I do. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. When you see a, a, whether it's on Facebook or somebody brings a, a group of, a group photo to you and you look on Facebook and you know you were at that event and there's a group photo, who do you look for? Right? You know it. And ladies, let's just take it another step level. If the late ladies, if you don't look good in that picture, that picture is terrible. Everybody else can look good. You look terrible. Hair's all on the face. You're like, that's a terrible picture. It's only terrible because it doesn't look good on you. So we love, we love ourselves. And at its core, it is an idea of inconvenience me. And, and sin really at its core is this. Here's sin at its core. It's all about me. That is sin. That is the very beginning of the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve disobeyed God because if there would be a headline over the curse of the Garden of Eden, it was that Adam and Eve said, it's all about me. It's not about what you want, God. It's about what I want. And we live in a culture, unfortunately, where it plays into this, that it is all about you. Love you. Take care of you. Look out for you. Nobody else is going to do it, so you take care of you. And so what ends up happening is, is this is, it makes children think that they know more than parents, right? It, it divides marriages and families because I love you, not for you. I love you for what you do for me. me. And the greatest marriage fights, I say this to people all the time, you don't want to get marriage counseling from me. Because I'll sit down with you and I'll listen to you for a minute and I'll say, okay, stop speaking. You, you're selfish. You, you're selfish and you don't talk. Get out of my office. Okay, so that's, that's kind of how it goes. Because for the most, I don't do it like that, I promise you, but maybe over-exaggerating there. I'll say it a little more lovingly. But most of the time when you get to the heart core of everything, that's where it, that's where it is. 
you're selfish, you're selfish. You don't want to say you're sorry. You don't want to say you're sorry. You don't want to communicate. You don't, y'all with me? And so sin, and it's all about me kind of syndrome, divides families and it divides marriages. It's what makes bosses more willing to criticize you than to praise you. And it destroys churches from the inside out. Matthew 16, I'm going to throw this verse up there. Matthew 16 has kind of been our core verse for this series. And I want to, I want to show you something. This is where I feel like God wanted me to go. And this was the kind of the shift that happened. He says this, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And now watch this. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So this is how I've been praying as, as we're closing out this series my, my prayer was, God, okay, how do we, you know, next week we're going to two services. I'm so excited. And I'm so excited. I hope you're excited. Um, we're going to two services. And, and, and God's growing our church. He's growing our church across all, all of our campuses, not just our campus, but all of our campuses. And God's doing incredible things. And, and we're hearing some incredible stories of what God's doing in and amongst our church. And, and so I thought, you know what? What is it that can stop our church? Because... I feel like we can, we're unstoppable. According to this verse, I feel like we're unstoppable. So this is what we know from this verse. Hell cannot stop this church. Demons and Satan and all of his attempts to, to destroy our church and divide our church and stop our church cannot happen. Because this says that God's building his church and the gates of hell will not destroy our church, cannot stop our church. So here's the big question. What can stop our church? We can You can, and I can. We can stop this church. We can kill what God's doing here. We can stop what God... How many of you have seen churches that God was doing some phenomenal things, and then all of a sudden, either the pastor fell in immorality or something happened, and the church just went... We can stop this. And so, with that being said, I want to share with you four things that are surefire ways that we could kill this church. Four things that we've got to be careful. Four things that could kill family. Now, let me say this. this, can, this what I'm about to share with you could pertain to your own natural family. And you'll see in a minute. This can pertain to your natural family. Now, of course, I'm speaking more in the broader context of our spiritual family and our church family, but you're definitely going to do some heart searching through this message because this is something that will kill your family as well. And so I want us to spend the rest of our time talking about what is it that we've got to look out for? What is it that we've got to guard that to make sure that what God's doing here doesn't stop, but it continues to grow and continues to build, and that we continue to be a life-giving church in this community? Here's the first thing that could, that could destroy us. Number one is self-centered. Self-centered. We were created by God to live an upward life and an outward life. That's what God's created us to do. Upward, where we worship God, love God, give everything to God. And then out of the overflow of God's love for us, that we are outward, that we're, we're, we're self-sacrificing and we're loving our neighbors and we're putting other people in front of ourselves. But here's the thing that sin does. Sin doesn't make you outward, it makes you inward. Sin makes you self-focused. Sin makes you self-oriented. Sin makes you obsessed with what you want and what you need and how you feel. And self-centeredness will destroy this family if we make it all about us and all about me. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.15. It says, Jesus died for everyone. Come on, that's a good verse. Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life. Now, what does it say? Well, what? Will no. Come on. We're trailing off there a little bit. It's on the screen. Will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for them. How many of you have children? Raise your hand. If you've got children, raise your hand. Okay. All right. How many know your child came into this world as a shockingly self-centered person. If you want to see total depravity, go on a long road trip with children. Or better yet, if you want to see real total depravity, put your kids in a room, happens to be three boys, with a Wii, and only give them two controllers. 
you want to talk about seeing some demons come out. The selfishness of... It's the we's fault. It's not the we's fault. This, this happened yesterday. In my home. Um, it's how it is. Everybody wants what they want. I don't want you to have that. I want, I want to have that. I'm not going to share with you. I don't want this. I it's all, I sat down with my son yesterday. This is before I even had this message because this message wasn't until last night. And I sat down and, and I looked at him. And this is an ongoing thing I tell my kids all the time. And they always repeat it. And now my boys are probably, I say, it's not about you. you. And then they usually repeat, it's not about me. Come on, let's say that together. Let's say it's not about me together. Ready? It's not about me. Okay, now look at the person next to you and tell them, it's not about you. We did that one a lot stronger than we did the first one. (laughs) I've been wanting to tell you, you need to listen to this message. It's not about you. You just proved it's all about you, though. All of us have this. All of us want to put our life at the center of our own world. All of us don't want to wait. All of us want to be right. All of us want to be first. All of us want to be the best looking. All of us want to be the smartest. The problem is it's all about me. And the bigger problem is all about me has creeped into the church. And so what ends up happening is we begin to treat church like a hotel. Have you ever been to a hotel? You know, you get on Priceline or whatever, and you look up hotels, and, and usually what you're looking for is you're looking for, you know, is it a three-star, four-star, five-star, and you're looking for, man, I want it to have a room, and I want it to have a suite, and I want it to have a jacuzzi tub, and I want it to have this. And, you know, you're looking for all kind of your amenities of what you want it to have. You know, free parking and Wi-Fi, and I want it to have all this. The problem is, is that people begin to treat the church that exact same way. Okay, does it have the music that I want? Does it have the service time that I want? Does it have up-close parking? Does it have this? Does it have that? Is the children's program good? Is this on? You'll see what I'm saying? And so then when it's not tailored to what we want, we get offended. But church was never meant to be like a hotel. It's never meant to be about my parking spot and my seat and my friends and my coffee and my favorite worship leader and my favorite... Listen, if that's If that is how it flows with you, you will be very uncomfortable here. It's the whole reason why we're going to two services, because it's not about us. It's about all of the thousands of people that are 9,000 people in this parish that don't have a church home and creating space for that. Because we're not going to be self-centered. It's not going to be about us. It's foolishness that's confronted by the first four words of the Bible. The very first four words of the Bible tells us it's not about us. Because it says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Those four words, I think, are probably some of the most powerful words in the Bible. Because it tells us everything about our life. That we will not be the center. He is. Think about, we just did the prayer series and we went through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then you go on further and he says, your kingdom, not my kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, not my kingdom, your kingdom, your will. If we would change that, we would love for it to say, my kingdom come, and my will be done, and my needs to be met. Now, don't get me wrong. God wants to bless you. God wants to be there for you. God wants to love you. God wants to encourage you. God wants to forgive you, and he does all those things. But what we've got to realize is as he's doing all that, we are blessed to continue to be a blessing. It's not meant for us. It's always meant for something else. Y'all with me? Well, let me show you. Uh, Luke 9. Luke 9, 23, it says, Then Jesus says to the crowd, If any of you want to be my follower, come on, how many want to be Jesus' follower? Raise your hand. Want to be Jesus' follower? Everybody want to be Jesus' follower? Okay, good. All right, we're in a good, good place. We want to be Jesus' followers. I want to be Jesus' follower. Well, here's what you got to do. You got to turn from your... It's not about me. It's not, not about me ways. My selfish ways. And you got to... 
See, I, I don't like that. And I definitely don't like the next one. Take up your cross. That sounds like that hurts. That sounds painful. Cross, it's the, it's the idea of sacrifice, giving up something, laying down something. I got to take that up. I got to take down not my will, not, not my, I got to take up this cross. And here's the worst part of it. He says, take it up daily. Like, I don't know about y'all. I would love a day off. Y'all with me? There are just days you just wake up and somebody just gets on your nerve. And you're like, God, can I just take today off so I can slap them and then I'll get back in tomorrow? Y'all with me here? How many just want a day off? Like, God, can I just, can I just take a day? Like, sometimes I wish pastor was not anywhere near my name. I just take a day off and not be known for that. Tell somebody like it is and then I'll come back into it and repent and make things right. But he says, if you want to be my follower, you've got to turn from your selfish ways. It's not about you. You're not the sinner. You've got to turn from that. You've got to put Jesus at the center. You've got to take up your cross daily. And then now, you follow me. Some of you are having a hard time following Jesus because you're following yourself. Your needs, your desires. You're at the center. You are your own Lord. And I'll, I'll just say this. Well, this will go into number two. So number one is self-centered. This can definitely destroy our family. It can kill our family. It can kill this spiritual family. Number two is self-deceived. Self-deceived. You and I have convinced ourselves that we don't need a savior. Now write this down. No one deceives you more than you do. No one deceives you more than you do. So we, we, we know how to lie to ourselves, And we don't say bad lies. We say good lies. Good lies that we can believe. Like, I'm not angry. I don't have an anger problem. I'm just loud. It's just my personality, you know. I'm just a vocal person. You know, I don't lust. I just have an eye for beauty. Of the feminine sort. I don't have to be in control all the time. I'm just exercising my God-given leadership abilities. Right? We justify why we don't need a savior. And maybe that's, I think, the, <laughs> the height of foolishness. Because you actually have no ability to save yourself. Because you're the problem. Welcome to our Savior's Church. You're the problem. <laughs> you're a champion. You're good. That's what you want to hear, right? You're awesome. Sprinkles. But the problem is, the Bible does, God does think you're awesome. You are the apple of his eye. But, it, it, but it's also not about you. You're the poison. You're the disease. See, because you can run from a situation, you can run from a location, but when you get done running, you're still there. Because no one talks to you more than you do. Let me show you. Jeremiah 17, 9. You don't have this in your notes. I added this this morning. But watch this. The human heart is most what? Self-deceived. Self-deceived. The human heart is most de deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? God does. You don't. God does. That's why when I hear people like, you know, there's people that are like in, you know, in jail or prison and you'll talk to different people, you know, that, that love them, family members. You're like, man, I'm sorry to hear about your son. Yeah, you know what? He's got a good heart. No, he doesn't. That's why he's in jail. You laugh, but it's the truth. Families say that all the time about their kids. He's got a good heart. No, he doesn't. It's desperately wicked. And it needs Jesus. And you and I have hearts, apart from Jesus, that are desperately wicked. And that's the beauty of when you give your heart to the Lord, when you surrender to the Lordship, the Bible says that God takes our stony hearts and replaces it with a heart of flesh, a new heart, new desires, new things. And so, y'all with me? This is how it goes. So let me challenge you with this. Don't be the loudest person. Don't be the loudest voice in your life. I'll say that again. 
Don't be the loudest voice in your life. That is why you need to be in a life group. Life groups aren't just so we can have busy time because we need to fill our calendars with more stuff to do. Life groups are a place where we can get honest and real and go, this is what I'm thinking about my marriage. This is what I'm thinking about myself. This is what I'm struggling with. And somebody can be louder than your voice and go, you can make it. You can do this. Or you need to stop that. That isn't godly. Honor this way. Y'all with me here? When you're the loudest voice in your own life, you, you go to this place, deceived. We're deceived. That's why we need to be in community. We need to be around people who, who can give us perspective. Because how many know when you're in the middle of a moment, when you're in the middle of a struggle, when you're in the middle of things, all these emotions that are in you, and I'm going to, listen, as your pastor, listen to me when I say this, stop posting things on Facebook when you're upset Listen to me. It's ungodly. It makes you look bad more than the people you're spewing about. Stop it. Because when things go south, watch your mouth. I'm saying that to myself. Listen, I've got to be careful what I speak when I'm in the emotional, this emotionally vulnerable state. Because I'll just go off. But here's the deal, what I've learned. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if anything, when we say things like that, it just reveals my heart. Y'all with me here? I love you. I really do. But I'm warning you. Be careful. Be careful to what you're going to text or what you're going to respond or that email you're going to send. Before you do that, pray first. I got it. I got it in. I fit it in. You like that? Pray first. I'm telling you. Be careful how you respond. You are self-deceived. That's why we need people in our lives. Number three, self-sufficient. Self-sufficient. Self-sufficient is, I don't need your help. I can do it all by myself. And you know what? That is the number one lie of the Garden of Eden. It was this lie of autonomy. The lie of autonomy is, I don't need you. I have the right to live my life the way that I want to live it. YOLO. You only live once. So I'm going to do what I want to do, how I want to do it, where I want to do it, when I want to do it. I'm going to be my own God. But last time I checked, that's usually not going too well for you. Let me, let me say this. If, if your kids fight you about, you know, you need to eat that. Or, hey, you need to go to bed. Or, hey, you need to brush your teeth. Or, hey, you need to do this. Whatever you're telling your kids to do and they're fighting you about it, listen to me when I say this. They're not fighting you about the food. They're not fighting you about brushing their teeth. They're not fighting you about going to bed. What they are really fighting you is this idea of autonomy. It's you will not rule me. I am self. That's what they're saying without saying it. You will not control me. You will not rule me. You will not tell me what to do. My boys do that, want to do that sometimes with Lindsay. They tell, they've told Lindsay, and I've had to come back and correct them, you're not the boss. I told that to Lindsay. She's like, well, who's the boss? And they're like, God and dad. So, <laughs> so I have to gently come in. <laughs> Go, God, help me. Okay. All right. She is the boss. Why, what is that? You're not the boss. That's, you're not the boss of me. And listen, we laugh about that with kids, but we do that to God. God says, you do marriage this way. You do marriage this way. God says, you love people this way. You do this this way. And we go, no, 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 I, I know better. I know better. I don't need to do that. You do your finances this way. No, nah, I got that. I got that. I can do that. You need, y'all with me? We do it all the time. Now, we won't say it verbally, but we'll say it by the way we live. Because we're self-sufficient. Now, you may say, I don't think I'm self-sufficient. Let me ask you one question. How do you respond when someone confronts you? (laughs) Do you say, thank you. My walk with God is a community project. I'm so thankful for your commitment to my sanctification. I see you as a tool of God's grace in my life. And I would invite you to come more often, maybe in 20 minutes. 
Because I'll probably need... Is that what we say? No. Come on. The self-sufficiency boils up on the inside of us. You feel your chest tighten. Your ears are getting red. You're thinking of every sin that that person's committed that you can bring to the table. Am I the only person in this room that sinned? You calling my sin out? Let me pull out the pad. This is what you do. You activate your inner lawyer and you begin to defend yourself. Now listen to this. This is how, this is how screwed up it is. You begin to defend yourself against help. You defend yourself against people who love you. Listen, if someone is bold enough to confront me, and listen, Pastor Bubba's done it, Miss Tracy's done it, Denny's done it, I've had, my wife does it daily. Go, Lindsay, what are y'all talking about? Don't egg her on. If so, listen to me, listen to what I say. <laughs> Reel it in. If someone's bold enough to confront me, and tell me an area in my life that doesn't line up with God's word, doesn't line up with being a man of God, it's never an offense. It's always grace. Now, I'm offended. I'm offended often. But it's never an offense. It's always grace. God loves me. And he put me in a community of people who love me. And he sent me his helpers. To make me more like Jesus. And I'll say this. Some of you are missing out on that. Because you think you're self-sufficient. I'm so grateful for Miss Tracy. I'm so grateful for Denny. I'm so grateful for my wife. I'm so grateful for my kids. My kids remind me that I need Jesus. Come on. Parenting is one of the greatest ways for you to realize the sin and selfishness in your own heart. And I'm thankful for that because that is grace. Let me tell you what the most unloving thing would be to do is to not say anything at all. (laughs) To say that you love somebody but not willing to speak truth in love is not really loving. Let me show you something. 1 Corinthians 12, 19 through 21, it says this. It says, if we are all, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, look at this, self-sufficiency right here. I have no need for you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need for you. Don't be the last person in the room to realize that you have an issue with pride. We do this often. So self-sufficiency. Number four, self-righteous. Self-righteous. We try to convince the people around me that I'm righteous. That I'm good. That all is well. And let me just say this. It is a horrible and exhausting way to live. To live fake. Oh, it's exhausting. And that's coming from a professional faker. I knew, how to, I knew what to say. I knew how to say it. I, I knew how to hide things. That's why I'm thankful for people in my life that know me well enough to know when I'm faking. And say, what's really going on? Oh, it's all good. No, what's really going on? See, when you do what is wrong, if you're a child of God, now if you love Jesus, when you do something wrong, your conscience bothers you. And you have two options when your conscience bothers you. Listen to me. You have two options when your conscience bothers you. Number one, you can confess it and repent and get under the forgiveness of God and let God forgive you, love you, and walk you through it. Or two, the second thing that you can do is you can defend it and justify it and act like it's not that big of a deal. You have two options when you, when you get this conviction. This, and that's the Holy Spirit that's doing that. 
So let's do a little test here because some of you may think, well, I don't feel like I'm a self-righteous person. Well, let's find out. I'd ask you one question. Here's the one question I'd ask you. Are you more concerned and distressed about the sin of other people than you are about your own? Are you more concerned and distressed about the sin of other people than you are your own? When you talk about sin, you talk about everybody else's. You just don't talk about your own. Everybody else has got problems. Everybody else has got issues, but you don't. That is self-righteousness at its core. That is self-righteousness. And the antidote to this, let me tell you what the antidote to all of this, the antidote to self-sufficiency and the antidote to self-righteousness and the antidote to self-centeredness and the antidote to self-deceiving is humility and honesty. Humility and honesty. Humility and honesty. Let me show you this verse, Titus 3, 3 through 7. I don't know if it's in your notes or not, but I have it on the screen This is what it says. It says, once we too were foolish. (laughs) Foolish. And we were disobedient. And we were misled. And we became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. And our lives were full of envy and full of evil. And we hated each other. But I love this. Verse 4. But. But. But when our God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and revealed his love he saved us not because of the righteous things we've done see not because of self-righteousness not because we're awesome not because we did good things not because we went to church not because we read our bible not because we gave in the offering god didn't save us because of any of those things he saved us now look at this because of the righteous not because of the righteous things we've done but because of his mercy And he washed away our sins. And he gave us new birth. And he gave us new life through the Holy Spirit. And he, you see who's doing all this? It's not you. It's not you. You can't fix yourself. You are the problem. You can't fix yourself. But Jesus can. And he pours himself out. Look at this. He generously pours out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he has declared us righteous and he gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life that's a great verse if there's a verse to memorize this week that's a good one listen to me you don't need a better heart you need a new one you need a new one this is the heart of the gospel and this is the greatest way that I've, I've, I've heard recently of the gospel explained. And so maybe this will help you as you share your faith with other people. I hope this will help you. <clears throat> we, we, we shared uh, two weeks ago when we did the secret sauce message about the, about the TSA. Or that was actually the first week about the TSA and how a lot of people don't like the TSA. But if you've ever been to the TSA, one of the things that they do, you know, pre-9-11, it was like you just go through, do your bag, all's good. Post-9-11, it was like you like strip down, half naked. They got everything. I mean, everything's off. And they send you now through a, a like a, it's not even, it's like a full 360 thing. If y'all ever been to the, the airports now, it's like a full on 360. You get inside of it and they, they do this whole 360 thing. It goes, goes around you and you know, you're like that. <clears throat> And what they're looking for, they're looking for foreign objects. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for anything that would hurt you and other people. That's what they're looking for. The greatest thing I've ever heard in the gospel being explained recently was if, if you and I got into that, and that was we went through one of those where there was a spiritual indicator of, of where we are, if there's sin in our life, and we went through this 360, it would be going off bells and whistles. Because we are full of sin. We're full of that. And so we wouldn't be able to go get on the plane. In spiritual terms, we wouldn't be able to get into heaven. Because you're not good enough. Stuff in you. But here's the beauty of the gospel. Before you walk into that, that little detector, Jesus steps in and he says, hey, stand right here. And then Jesus steps in and it goes around him and there ain't no sin. There ain't no sin at all. And Jesus steps out and he says, that's for you. Go ahead, go on. Go on. 
It's all you. It's all you. And so when, when we put our faith, when we put our trust in Jesus, when we surrender to Jesus, Jesus steps into the detector for us. You, the Bible says that you are holy. But you're only holy because you're in Christ and he's holy. He is holy. And today you have an opportunity actually to walk out of here and have that same relationship with God. And be fully assured that, that if you died today, you would go to heaven. Not because of your righteousness, but because of his righteousness. See, I don't have to put myself at the center anymore. I don't have to deceive myself into feeling better anymore. I don't have to act like I'm self-sufficient anymore. I don't have to argue for my righteousness anymore because Jesus appeared and he gave me new life. I want to end today by showing you stories of what God has done through some people in our church. This is just, this is just a handful of them and there's so many more. But I ask some of our people to just share what's God done in your life because at the end of the day, remember, it's not about us. It's all about Jesus and it's all about what he wants to do through us. So I want you to sit and watch this video. Hey everyone, it's JJ. Um, I love my church because they have always been a big support to me and my wife Christy um, from just love and caring prayers to mentoring um, giving wisdom words of wisdom you know to um, our my mentor Tony giving me a job and the church giving me a job cutting grass and just multiple blessings from this church um, we love you guys and thank you for being who you are, which is real love and uh, just a true vision of God. Thank y'all. Hi, my name is Carson Fontenot, and I love my church because everyone makes you feel so welcome. As soon as you walk through the door, it's like you're part of the family. Regardless of your past or where you've come from or the mistakes that you've made, no one judges you and everyone accepts you for who you are. Since I started at OSC, my relationship with God has grown tremendously, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful to be part of such an amazing church, and I cannot wait to see what God has in store for each and every one of us. Me and my family have been so blessed to be a part of our Savior's church. Um, through the last couple years, God has done tremendous things in our lives, um, in our marriage, in our children. We've just grown. Um, and the, our church family has been such a blessing to us. They have just reached out and um, helped us through our our rough times and just been a shoulder to lean on and, and, and to guide us in the right direction where we needed to go. Um, I'm just so thankful um, for what God is doing in our lives through our Savior's Church. Um, I just want to say I love my church. Everyone, uh, my name is Jim Seymour. For those of you who don't know me, want people to understand that I didn't learn about Christianity by studying the nuts and bolts of it. Learned it by the example of my church family here at OSC, by them being the nuts and bolts themselves. There's just such a belonging and accepted atmosphere here. We've been coming here for over five years now and I just love my church because the people here accept me just the way I am. And God has been guiding me to change believe me he will change you i like the new me but god's not finished yet uh, just remember it's okay to not be okay i don't know where to start it's a lot a lot of things uh church is awesome church is great people are great that's what i like the most about our church though is the people the people is like family you know like a big great big happy family you know, they come love on you, call you, see how you're doing, and things like that. And that's what I love about our church. It's the family aspect of things. That's why I love my church. Hi, my name is Allison Jordell. And in the almost nine years that my husband Mike and I have been coming to our Savior's church, our favorite thing about the church is that it truly is a family. From the most exciting times of our lives, like our wedding, 
and the birth of our two beautiful girls to the lowest of lows like the loss of my dad and the loss of our second pregnancy due to miscarriage just to name a few this family has been there through it all to celebrate the great times and to pray with us through the hard times it truly is a blessing from god i don't know who or where we would be without this family's acceptance unconditional love and guidance it's so exciting to see how much god has grown this family and i'm so excited to see how bigger it will get in the years to come hi my name is damon scott and i love my church because it is love Jesus is love and so is my church. I was hurt, wounded, had lost my way, didn't think I measured up and wasn't enough. But as soon as I walked through those doors and was met with open arms, with love by people who just wanted to love God, do life, help people, and reach people, I thank you for accepting me, for accepting my family and loving us. Jesus saved me and the church saved me. Thank you. Let me close with this. We can never let this house turn into a place just for us. We can never let this house turn into a place just for us because this church exists to reach people and build lives. These are just a fraction of the stories of what God has done here. God's reached you and he's reached you not just for you. He's reached you because of what he wants to do through you and in you. This place is not going to be a comfortable place because I believe comfortable churches create lazy Christians. We're not going to be a comfortable church because Jesus came on this earth because it wasn't about him. Jesus laid down his life because it wasn't about him. Jesus gave everything that he had to serve people because it wasn't about him. We started a campus in Crowley and in Eunice because it wasn't about us. We're going to two services next weekend because it's not about us. Are y'all with me here? It's all about reaching people and building lives. It's not about us. And as long as heaven and hell are realities, it can't be about us. Y'all hear me? If hell's real, how many believe it's a real place and real people will really go there if they don't surrender their heart to the Lord? If that is the case, then it can't be about us. It's got to be about the seat next to you being filled with people that are far from Jesus and seeing them come to know the Lord. We celebrate the over 200 salvations that we've had this year. That's people who have found home, that has found life, that's found that. But I believe we're just scratching the surface. God is building his church. How many of you glad to be a part of it? You are a part of it. You are a part of it. You are a part of it. So I want to pray for you and I want to pray for us. Because as we go into this next season, I believe of, of great growth. We've got to always come back to this place as we're serving, as we're giving, as we're sacrificing. That It's not about me. It's not about me. God, it's all about you. So, Father, we come. Come on, let's bow our heads all across this room. Father, we come and we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves before you. God, we declare today, God, that it's not about us. But I want to speak right now to all of those that are in this room. Where if you would be humble. And if you would get honest. You would say... It's been all about me. It's been all about me. I've been offended easily. I'm carrying anger. I'm carrying resentment. I'm carrying unforgiveness. There's just things in my life that really, if, if, if we were to get a sneak peek into my life, people would say, it's all about her. It's all about him. And at this moment, it is all about you because it's all about what God wants to do in you. If you would be humble and be honest enough, first and foremost, and say that I don't have a relationship with God because you know what? I've been my own Lord. I've ruled my own life. 
But today I want to make a change. Today I want to surrender my life, my heart, my will, my feelings to the Lord today. I want to walk out of here with a new heart. If that's you all across this room, would you just raise your hand? We want to, we want to recognize you. Come on. I see you. I see you. I see you. And you. And you. Thank you. And you. Thank you. Come on. Anybody else? Man, I'll surrender my heart. Surrender my heart. Now I want to talk to those in here. You know Jesus. You love Jesus. You love him. But you have just been in a season, really, it's just been all about you. You know God. You love God. But you've just been struggling. You've been struggling. If that's you in this place, and we can pray for you. I want you to just raise your hand all across this room. That's you. Come on, hands going up all over the place. Wow. Wow, hands going up all over the place. Come on, will you do Keep your hands up. Just keep your hands up right where you are. And put your other one up too. Come on, put both hands up in the air. So Father, we just come to you right now, God. Lord, in humility. <laughs> God, we thank you, Lord, that as we read in Titus, God, that... But God revealed his kindness and his love to us that he saved us. So Jesus, right now with hands raised, we just submit yet again our our will, our ways to you. Thank you, Jesus, that even in our own selfishness, God, that you haven't ran from us, you haven't despised us, you haven't rejected us, but you are lovingly calling us back home, lovingly calling us back into relationship with you. God, we start today, God, just by acknowledging how much you love us. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Jesus, thank you for loving us when we didn't deserve it. Thank you for loving us, God, when we're far from you. God, thank you, Lord, that, that, that everything that we have in our life is because of you. So let's just, let's just pray together. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for taking my sin on the cross. Today, I surrender my heart, my will, my emotions, my way to the cross today. Help me. Give me new heart, new desire. Help me to receive your love so that I can give it away. In Jesus' name, amen.